Hello, my name is Tina Stoll. I'm also known as Baroness Stoll of Beeston, the former leader of the House of Lords. But this podcast is where I talk to people who don't very often get heard. Our fellow Brits who work hard, get on with life, are quietly successful and from whom we can learn a lot if we listen to what they've got to say. These are their stories, hopes and concerns about the world in which we all live and how they think it could be better. Welcome to today's Britons. Today I'm talking to Julian Richard Haywood. They are funeral directors and run their own business, which they opened in Beeston about 14 years ago. Obviously, as funeral directors, they have been in the middle of the COVID crisis and the last 18 months have been both busy and tough for them, indeed for the industry as a whole. And we talk about this a little. But the main reason I wanted to record a conversation with them was to learn more about their approach as a small local business. I've known Julie for nearly 30 years, since before she met Richard, and except for a few years break when she had their son Jack, during all the time I've known her, she's worked in the funeral trade. They're a great couple, and I had no doubt when they decided to start out on their own that they would do well. What I wanted to try and do through a conversation with them was show why I had thought that especially by encouraging them to talk about the town where they work and the relationships they've built, including with the families who are their clients. Through their story, I thought we might be able to demonstrate the difference a business can make, big or small, when it's genuinely interested in the local people it serves. So I suppose more than anything, this episode is about the power of local relationships. I hope you find our conversation interesting and enjoy listening. Hi, Julie. Hi, Richard. Hi, Tina. You're right. <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, very well, thank you. It's lovely to see you. You're looking well. Oh, thank you. So are you, actually. I perhaps should say that we're talking at the beginning of June. So depending on when this, you know, people might listen to this, things may have changed again by the time others get to hear it. I think I'm right in saying that you were, were you the first funeral directing business in Nottingham, in to, Nottingham. De- to deal with somebody who had died from COVID? Yes, we was. Uh, We dealt with number 11, if you like. Number 11 in the UK? In the UK, yeah. So we were the first in Nottingham and it was just so new to everybody, even the governing body that we're a member of, which is the uh, Society of Independent and Allied Funeral Directors. Even they couldn't really help us and guide us with you know, the, the, how to deal with the deceased. And this was, didn't know. Because this was before but, there'd been any new protocols put in place. Well, yeah. There wasn't any. Was there wasn't there? any. There was no protocols. And this is. This was before lockdown as well. This was before the 23rd of March last year. So nobody was clear on how to deal with the deceased, how infectious there was when they died, how dangerous it was for us to deal with them. Um, and, and then we spoke to a local uh, mortuary manager and he just said, you, you know, err on the side of caution. You, you can't do anything. You've got to literally place them in a body bag and, and seal the coffin because it's a category three infection. So it was just scary. 
we had no PPE equipment to that point. We had basics, but we didn't know what we needed. And then you started seeing it all on the TV where they're all masked up and hazmat suits and and trying to source the equipment, PPE equipment, was a nightmare because everybody was just selling out. Um, We had to source it ourselves. There was no help, you know, uh, uh, and the prices zoomed, literally. The prices of the equipment that you had to buy. Yes, Yeah. 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 Everything doubled in price. Yeah. Yeah. And we were just trying to source it from wherever we could. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a bit about how you got into the funeral directing business? Because I know, Julie, this was something which you you started way back when you were a teenager and you went on a YTS scheme. That's right. When I was 17, um, I didn't know it was a funeral director's. <laughs> I went for the job. <laughs> Because it was just office work. Uh, and this was in Nottingham? In Nottingham, yeah. So when I got home and told my mum and dad that I'd got this job, they said, well, it's a funeral directors. So then I didn't want to go because I didn't want to see any dead bodies. Uh, and I did eventually go. And the rest is history, as they say. But I was on the YTS scheme for six months. And uh, then they took me on full time. And I was there for 22 years in in all, worked my way up as a funeral director and a manager of two of their branches. And and then I left and had a baby. Yeah. And and when when I met you, you had just been put in charge of the new Beeston branch. That's right, in 1993. In 1993. So it's nearly, uh, I mean, it's coming up to, gosh, it's nearly 30 years then that we've been (laughs) God, I hadn't realised that. My God. Um, So what happened was you, they opened up a new branch in Beeston. And although you didn't live in Beeston, you lived in, were you still in Snenton then? Snenton, yeah. And, um, but you had connections to Beeston before because your um, mum and your family had had a butcher's in Beeston, Hogs Butchers. Was that still there when you arrived in? Oh, yes. They only closed about eight years ago. So uh, they only retired seven or eight years ago. So, yes, that was still thriving then. Okay. So um, you, you so. came to, to Beeston and at that time you were, you were still an, an administrator in the funeral business that you were employed at. And um, so you were there to arrange funerals, but you yourself were not a funeral director. You had never walked at the front of a funeral uh, procession and directed that funeral yourself. And if I remember rightly, there was a tragic accident with a young boy in Beeston and the family wanted you to direct that funeral. Yes, because I'd arranged the funeral with them and and they'd spent a lot of time with me over the course of the two or three weeks that it took to get things organised and they didn't want anybody else. So what they, well, what happened was they sent another girl to the house and the family turned her away. They, they wouldn't let her conduct the funeral. So she had to come back to the office and we had to swap clothes. And I had to go do it. Literally <laughs> on, on the day? Yeah, yeah, on the day, yeah. So she had to come back because uh, they wanted him in the house in the morning until the funeral in the afternoon, you see. Um, so she had to come back and we swapped clothes, literally. 
and I had to go out and, and conduct the funeral. And that was the first one I'd ever done, which was quite a high-profile funeral at the time. Yeah, because, I mean, it was it was a teenage boy. He'd been in a very he serious... Was seven. Was he seven? He was seven. He right. was seven. He, he fell. He, he actually jumped over his garden gate and caught his ankle and uh, broke his neck in front of his mum. Wow. Yeah. So it was quite tragic. Well, very tragic. Yeah. You know, and... Uh, yeah, it was seven. And how long had you been at the Beeston branch when that happened, Julie? That was in the September of '93. So you'd not, you'd only been there a few months then. Nine months, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. So you then started becoming yourself a funeral director. So you you took on that responsibility. You were starting to conduct funerals then. Yeah, uh, only because families. Well, because families was was asking for me after that. You see, so the managing director decided to let me go out on the funerals after that and I've had my own uniform (laughs) just have to wear somebody else's (laughs) what do you think it was about you that made the families who were coming into the uh business to to arrange their funerals that that made them want you Julie (coughs) I don't know I was just me um and I think it was just being normal with people and taking the time extra mile though as well didn't you you went beyond, beyond yeah and beyond. i didn't you just leave the work. duties you was employed for yeah i didn't it just leave at five that. o'clock i would wait for them if they wanted to come in later and just and, and i did that myself i didn't have overtime or anything like that i just i just i suppose i did go a bit, a bit extra than i needed to but it was because i wanted everything to be perfect for them yeah because you it's cared. the last thing i cared yeah and i still do I know you do, because I, I mean, as I say, I was looking at some of the messages on on your Facebook page and I saw that there was, uh, you know, one of them, t- t- well, quite a few of them stuck out to me, but but one of them I thought was so, such a good description of you because it, it talked about the fact that you have the perfect blend of expertise and professionalism with a good uh, helping of humour and honesty that really put me at my care. And, and the fact that you're able to do all those things at the, you know, at a time when somebody is suffering such grief and pain, I think is, you know, is, a, is, is why people feel that they can and want to come back to you. And- but a lot of families come to us now that I dealt with when I worked for the other company. You know, we're, we're getting that, in fact, only the other day, we get a lot of that business now because it was me that they dealt with, not necessarily the company I worked for, um, you know, and they remembered me, which is lovely. You know, I can't believe they remembered me really, but they do. Uh, and I think that's been a good foundation for, the, for our business. Uh, and that's why we traded under my maiden name and not my married name. Yeah. So when you, you'd been working for that particular company for about, tw- did you say 22 years, all in all? Two years in total. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you got married, you met, you met Richard, you'd, you got married, you had yeah. a, <laughs> hi Richard, we're going to talk to you in a minute too. <laughs> <laughs> um, Is it? He's to this. <laughs> Taking all the glory. <laughs> so you got married. You Sorry. had your you had your son uh, Jack, and then uh, for whatever reason, you weren't able to agree um, uh, suitable terms for you to be able to return to work 
uh, you know, in, in, on, on a whatever basis that you were hoping to return to. And then there was a period of uh, a couple of years, if I remember rightly, and then somehow or other you decided, the two of you, to set up on your own in business as funeral directors. I mean, t- tell me a bit about that decision, because, it, I mean, although you have had in both of your families some sort of previous biz, uh, business experience. I mean, both of your families, I think I'm, I'm right in saying have, you know, Julie's already talked about Hogs the Butchers, but I think Richard, you had, your family has run pubs as well, sort of in, in yeah, the past. That's correct, yeah. But yeah. Um, what, you know, tell me about the decision to to go it alone and to to start your own business. Well, it was, Richard, it was Richard's decision, to be fair, because I didn't want to do it at first because uh, when I had Jack, I had quite bad postnatal depression for about two years and was really quite poorly. Um, And then Richard said, why don't we open our own funeral directors? And I was saying, oh, no, I don't think I can do it. Uh, And then we just decided to go out one Sunday for lunch. And we... August Bank Holiday, yeah. And we'd not been out. In, and Rich says, we'll go into Beeston. And I didn't want to go into Beeston because I'd loved Beeston so much when I worked there and felt so disappointed that I couldn't go back there when I'd had Jack. Um, I didn't want to go into Beeston, but we did. We never actually got the lunch that day because as we drove into Beeston, we saw the forge empty, which was a little white cottage and just a mobile phone number number on the window that it was up for rent and we wrote the number down and rang them on the Tuesday and I just said to Richard as we drove past I always thought that might be nice as a little funeral directors because I knew the building from years before (laughs) and he said well why don't we go for it and that was literally it and everything just fell into place didn't it yeah we saw it on the bank holiday Sunday the Sunday yeah and then the following Friday it was Friday evening I got a phone call from the um, bank manager at Lloyd's TSB it was about half past six in the evening the bank was closed and her name was Angela English she was a lovely lady and she rang me up and she said hello Richard it's Angela from the bank I said hello Angela you're all right she said yeah she says "Um, sorry to bother you this time of night she said I just wondered if you could come into the bank for an account review she says, do you want to come up? The bank's closed, but ring the bell when you get to the door. So I went up to the bank. It was only a couple of minutes away from where we lived. And she said, oh, sorry about this. I know it's Friday evening, but, you know, if we sit and have a chat and discuss your account, then I'm not bothering anybody else. So we had a bit of a chat and she says, have you got anything to tell me? I says, well, the funny thing is, last week we went out for dinner at August Bank Holiday. I says, and as we was driving through Beeston, we found the business premises empty. I said, and my wife always thought it would make a brilliant funeral directors. So we had a bit of a chat and she said, well, what's Julie's background? And I said, well, she's been in the trade for 22 years. You know, she's not working for them now, but we've thought about going on our own. And she said to me, is, is Julie and the baby awake? I said, yeah. So she says, um, would you go and fetch them? I says, well, go home. She says, yeah, go home and fetch them, bring them back. I'd like a chat with both of them. So I rang Julie at home off my mobile and I said, is Jack awake? And she said, yeah, yeah, Jack's awake. I said, said, well, get ready. I said, because the bank manager wants to see us. She says, what what for? I said, I've got no idea. I said, she just asked me to leave the bank, come and fetch you and take you back. By this time, it was probably 7.30, 8.30 in the evening. 
So we went into the bank. Jack was in his curry, in his baby crib, fast asleep, and we had a bit of a chat. And she says, oh, I understand. She said to Julie, I understand you found a premises that might make a good funeral director. So she said to Julie, what's your background? You know, and Julie went all the way through it. And she says, well, how much do you think you'd need to start the business? So I didn't have a clue at all because I worked in the building trade for over 22 years. So I just looked at Julie and I said, how much do you think we'd need to start up? And Julie looked at me and said, I think around about £20,000. And the bank manager just turned around to me at the time and just said, do you want the money? You can have the money now. Within three seconds, I can put it in your account, start your new venture if you want it. And they gave gave us £20,000 there. And then she says, you can take it away cash or I can transfer it straight to your account if you want. Your credit rating's good. She says, we've got no, no reason not to doubt you're making a success of this venture. You know, she says, I've got, after having this wonderful chat with you, she says, I think, you know, I think you could make a go of it. She believed so, in us, And she know. believed in us, you know. And did she know you then before? She, only as a bank manager. Only, only as kind of a bank manager, you know. It, um, yeah, and it, literally, she was so, she, she was just lovely. She was just so friendly and down to earth. She was a lovely bank manager. And, you know, she just used to ring me up and, oh, your account's up for review. And I used to go in and we just sort of clicked. I don't know what it was. But... She was an old-fashioned bank manager that knew her customers. So, yeah, um, we borrowed the £20,000 and we made a few phone calls and away we went. And then, luckily, after kind of 18 months, we we became kind of successful because when we started the business, I didn't know anything about funeral directing whatsoever or the funeral industry. And I sort of looked at Julie and I said, you know, what do you think we'd do on, on our first year? You know, projected figures. She said, well, if we do 25 the first year... Um, 25 funerals 25 funerals that year that that would be a good year for your first year of trading and we did 49 and then it just progressed from there and it then it was 67 and then year three it went up over the hundreds wow you know about 120 I think it was in year three and it just it was just absolutely amazing of course we opened the business we hadn't got much money coming in but I was on a good job on the in the building trade so I was making over a thousand pound a week so that basically paid all the bills and it kept the roof over his head it you know kept us fed and happy and all the bills paid and it paid the bank loan off as well at the same time that we'd taken out for the business. We paid it off in 18 months alone yeah. instead of five years. Wow and did and you another one after that did we? Were you working all hours that God sent at the time? I mean it must Well have... yeah because I, I was on a 12-hour shift so I was working in Mansfield so I used to work seven in the morning till seven in the evening but on my lunch break the coffin manufacturer was actually over the road and I got a little Citroen Berlingo van so in my dinner break I then used to go to the coffin manufacturers collect any coffins we needed They'd stay in my van till seven o'clock. Then I'd drive to the office. Then I'd prepare the coffins, prepare the deceased, get them ready, place them in the coffins, and then go on night call then, which I did for seven years. And then still had to be back at work the following morning for seven o'clock, whether we were called out in the night or not. And it was just the hard work that paid off eventually. And I should imagine people don't really appreciate that, you know, as funeral directors running your own business. I mean, I, I know now you employ... Uh, well, including yourselves, I think it's nine. There's nine of you, including yourselves. So you 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 probably share some of this a little, but not much. But you are you, you're on call, and if somebody dies, I mean, tell us what happens when when you know the somebody rings you um, to say that um, you know that that you know somebody in their family you know is sadly 
passed Shall away. I take the first call, or sometimes <coughs> Whitney takes the first calls if she's got the phones for me. But we take the first call, we ask all the information we need, and then we ring the staff. Richard doesn't go out now um, on call. We've got staff to do that now. But before, for the first seven years, Richard would go with his brother who had never worked in the industry either. He just went on call at night for us um, and would go out and collect the deceased, bring them into our care. And then I would deal with the family the next day and organise the funeral. Uh, you know, and at first, obviously, we didn't have any vehicles. We hired everything in. So, and we hired the staff as well for a funeral. So it was just me running it for the first 10 months on my own. And Richard doing the night call at night, which was hard. But we did it. We've lived to tell the tale. Yeah, <laughs> more than that. And <laughs> it's incredible how successful you became in such a short space of time, really, as a business from scratch. What do you think marks you out, you know, Julie Wesson Funeral Directors? When you look at your competition, I mean, you know, obviously we don't need to name names because your business now is how many years old now? 14 years? We're into the 14th year now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and you're still thriving and you've got two branches now. This is a business which is still doing well and its reputation, as I say, is still as good as, if not better than it's ever been. Yeah. Well, I think as a small family firm that we are. Um, Having suffered personal loss herself. Well, with, yeah, with, as with well. But I think just being a small company... The families really only deal with us and a couple of other members of staff possibly, but they'll always have some contact with us throughout the process. Um, either I've arranged the funeral or I'll conduct the funeral or Richard will conduct the funeral. So it, they're only getting us. They're not getting 10 different people that they're dealing with and then somebody turns upon the day to conduct the funeral and they've never spoke to them or even met them. So I think it's just that personal, it's the personal thing, touch. whereas the bigger firms haven't got that because no. they've got 100 staff that will deal with that. Whereas a lot of the smaller family companies, um, a lot of my friends that have small funeral companies, family companies, are the same like, like we are, you know, and it's them that they're dealing with. So, and their success is the same because it's small. I think if we got bigger... And more branches, you've got more staff, you lose that personal touch. And that's the most important thing. You know, it's all about money. Especially with the larger consortiums as well, uh, yeah. Tina. They become just a profit and a statistic for their, you know, figures, annual figures. Well, well with us, you see, I mean, it's not about it's not selling about the best coffins. It's not about, I say to my girls, uh, which one of them did work for a big uh, cooperative um, and the way they worked were they had to sell a certain amount of each coffin each month or they would be told off basically whereas I've told them you offer the family the cheapest one every time if they want to spend more that's up to them but tell them they don't need it and I think that's where we stand out because we're not pushing for the money. There's never any hard sell with No us. hard sell because I won't, believe I in won't it. allow it. Um, and and I think that's why families appreciate 
your honesty, really. Yeah, they do, because if if they sat there and you give them the brochure, they feel guilty choosing the cheapest one. So the fact that we tell them that's all you need, they appreciate that and they'll go for it most of the time. Mm. I mean, some don't, obviously, they want different, but um, I think it's just the whole thing, it's not all about the money. No. It's about looking after people. And if it became all about the money constantly, then I'd sooner shut the doors mm. and do something else. And, I mean, do you think that the people who come into your business, do you think they feel that you really understand them? You know, it's... Well, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I hope so. And I think, you know, with the cards we get and gifts we get, I mean, God... We had flowers yesterday. Roses delivered to the office yesterday from a family that I dealt with last week. Um, and cards we, we get and vouchers, just eat vouchers. Yeah. <laughs> Gardening vouchers. I mean, I can't tell you how many presents they buy us. It's unbelievable. You know, and, and I'm astounded that they think about us to do that, to even write a card to say thank you, you know, is lovely because the way they feel, they must feel so... Well, I know how they feel. They must feel so low um, afterwards, but they still take the time to to thank us, which is lovely. And our staff and the girls, don't they? Yeah. You know that because the girls we've got are fantastic as well. So I think I've trained them my way, and, and I think that's the difference. They're only seeing the way we work. They're not seeing all lots of different people, are they? So. Um, so they get just as good praise yeah. from the families yeah, as well, okay. you know. And Richard gets the odd email, so he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. And we are a complete team now. I mean, before yeah. at first I was running it. But he was running it on your own, but we had came into it yeah. um, more in behind the scenes at first. Yeah. And then, obviously, stuff kind of after, the after nine months, wasn't it? You you rang me up and you said, "Look, we've either yeah, got to October empl- time. Yeah, employ yeah. somebody, or you know, you, you've got to come with me." And yeah. literally, we had to cut us cloth. You know, yeah. I went from a thousand pound a week to about 150, 200 pound <laughs> a week, so it was a massive drop. And added to any wages, but. You know, fortunately, we became quite successful. So after eighteen months, we was available to go. Uh, and buy his own fleet where I went back to the bank manager again, Angela English, yeah. who I was speaking about earlier. And I said, Angela, I need your help again. And she's like, what do you need? And I'm like, I need £25,000, please. She loaned us the money for the cars. I, I need to buy some cars. I found a fleet up in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And, you know, I think it's mm-hmm. time that we need to start buying our, having our own cars. And she's like, right, okay, no problem. And that money, yet again, was put in my account within three seconds. She was like, well, because we'd paid the other loan off so quick, you see. So she gave us that and we paid that off quick as well. So, and then we've never had to have another no. loan for any vehicles. We've just no. paid for them all. You know, I mean, as, as, the, com- as the company's really. made money, we've invested into the, yeah. the best equipment, the best vehicles, you know, even as private as ambulances. We've just took delivery the other day of a brand, brand spanking new, you know. Uh, private ambulance is it's beautiful. Just so the, everything's perfect. Just so everything's perfect. Yeah, it, you know, it, you don't, when somebody's coming to collect your loved one from you, you don't want a tatty old van, you know, turning up on your driveway thinking, oh my God, they're going to put my mum in that. You know, you want something nice, you want something respectable. Yeah. 
and and that's what it's and that's what we're about you know it's it's about dignity respect and everything and looking after people Mm. i think that's why we've made it so successful i think did the did the bank manager is she still there she um she went off sick for a while but i do believe she went to because obviously um lloyd's lloyd's tsb sort of separated didn't they so you've got lloyd's back and now you've got tsb i do believe she's still working and i'd love to find out i'd love to just ring her one day and just say look you know i'd love to invite you down you know just to come and have a look around and see what we've achieved and it's all thanks to you the faith that she showed in you and, you know, the uh, the way that, that, you know, it's just that, that confidence really. Presumably that gave you confidence too. Well, it did. It, because I had no confidence in myself at first when Richard said, why don't we do this? And my confidence had gone uh, when I had Jack. Um, so I didn't have any confidence in me, but mm. you did. I did because you're a people person. I knew I knew you inside out. So, yeah. and I knew you was a people person. And obviously, I had your, li- your little cleaning jobs and stuff like that. But yeah, that, I was doing what, a little cleaning yeah, job. That wasn't what you was about. You, you're a people person, oh. and, you know, and you needed to be back into that to bring you back to the person you was before the postnatal depression. Mm. And they did. It brought me back, and I felt like I'd come home when we got to Beeston and we opened it. I felt like I'd gone home. I can't explain it. Yeah, it was lovely. And I felt I was back in the right place, back where I should be. So what about now, as you, you know, as you, you look ahead, your son, Jack, I mean, he's 16 going on 17. I mean, yeah. what do you think about when you sort of look, look to the future in, in terms of, you know, as a small business? I don't mean, you don't, I don't mean about your own decisions with your own business. I'm not expecting, I'm not asking you to disclose personal things. I'm just thinking, you know, are there things that are worrying you now as you look ahead or you've got concerns or are you thinking, actually, I'm feeling quite optimistic and I, and I hope that things, you know, will be better. My concerns moving forward will be us, mm. our age, and whether we can keep going at the pace we go. Because, you know, there's only so much. I'm not sure we can go on for, well, we can't go on forever. That's a, nothing so sure as that. But, and I don't feel that anybody will ever run it how we run it. Even if we put a manager in there, to completely take over, you know, they're never going to be us, are they? Well, I suppose the big worry always when it's your name on the door and it is your oh, name yes. on the door, literally, yeah. that if you're not there to protect your reputation and maintain yes. the standards that you've always lived by, mm-hmm. do you still want your name on the door? Hopefully there's still a long way to go before you have to make any big decisions like that but well, I don't need a Zimmer frame just yet no but. no I think I think, I think you're, a long <laughs> way off that, you're a long way off that but I mean I, what I, I suppose you're also hoping for um sooner rather than later is for the you know for the way in which you conduct funerals to be in line with people's general expectations when it comes to you know losing their families and uh, and I hope do you know yet when that might you know, things might return to normal for you guys in terms of the work no, you do. We've had no indication at all. No. I mean, they're, they're saying the 21st of June, whether that happens, who knows. Um, but if, if it does happen, is that going to mean that funeral, I mean, is it is it is everything going to be the same at the point at which 
you know, they relax them even if they shove the date back? You know, is it, you know, or, or are you expecting some? I mean, it's, or, of... it's already been, it's already changing anyway mm. because more people are allowed at the funerals. Mm. We're now seeing families face-to-face if they want. Um, we've put uh, clear screens in the office on the desks in between the client and, and us. Um, and they have to wear a mask like they're doing the limousines. We can supply limousines now. So to a point, we're about 70% there anyway to some sort of normal. Yeah. Um, and we're so used to it now. It, I think it will feel strange when it goes back to normal. When I it think. does go back to normal. Yeah. And also know. the families have had the opportunity to use the webcast facility as well. So yeah, family webcast. members that couldn't make it to the funeral or weren't allowed to the funeral were allowed to watch it on the webcast facility. Yeah. Um, so that's given the families a little bit of comfort, uh, especially for the elderly relatives yeah. that were vulnerable at the time and couldn't make it um, to the funeral because of shielding and everything else. So in a way that's kind of helped us along the way as such um, with them being able to view the um, the funeral service live as well at the, the time it was happening. So, um, but it was nice today. We took care of a funeral today and, and I said, to, and it's the first time, but I said to the family, are we bringing you back to the house? He said, no, we're going to the pub. And we took them back to the pub today and it was lovely dropping them off in a beer garden. <laughs> I almost wanted to join them. But, you know, it was nice that they were going back to the pub. Yeah. You know, just a bit of normal. We've just not done that for, for over a year because it's not been allowed, but the, the, it had a big beer garden where they were going back to and a big marquee thing. And, uh, yeah, and off they went and had a lovely afternoon from what I can gather. But so it is coming back to a normal, but just just limited, like everything, like the holidays and everything, you know. We've not had a break in nearly two years. We, well, since since we were locked down, we've not had a break from work. We've worked literally seven days a week, 24 hours a day, you know. Um, so to be able to get away, to get a holiday, anything, you know, it will be yeah. nice. And I know, I know last summer when we had that period of relaxation and there was, you know, all of that, eat out to help out that you two didn't do that because you couldn't afford to to be you know no. or, be Ill. or ill no. so you didn't even you know get no. to experience that bit of relief no. really so it's been lovely talking to you and thank you very much for being so open and sharing your own experiences and and telling us what it's been like and i'm so proud of you both i really am well, thank you no, I am. I'm proud of you. Oh, well, you know, but um, <laughs> honestly, you are you are incredible people and you deserve all of the success that you've had. And I hope you go on to have lots more. So anyway, you take care and I will um, speak to you again soon. And uh, until then, lots of love. Okay, thank you. Bye. All right, Bye. take care. Bye. Speak to you Bye. soon. Bye. What Julian Richards' story tells us, I think, is that we need more locally based decision makers who care about the people and area they serve because they're vested in it, whether it's bank managers, small business owners, or local managers of big business. And if your reaction to that is, well, that's just obvious, ask yourself, how can we as politicians, financiers, or big business bosses do more to make it happen in more places? 
because I think we need a lot more localism than what we've currently got. As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, please do subscribe so you get to hear all the episodes in this series. And do please share them on social media or send to other people who you think might be interested in some of the themes covered in this series. Thanks again and bye for now.